Just real quick, uh, we had a great time last week welcoming some teachers into our community, showering them with some resources that they can use in their classrooms. I think we have all of our teachers adopted right now. We had a few that showed up later. Christy, I don't know if Christy's still in the room, but um, I think we've got all those covered. So thank you guys for stepping in and pray that we have a great relationship with our teachers this year. It's going to be a great opportunity to engage with them and welcome them to the community. One of the things I don't worry about um, is our response to need. One of the, we got a call from one of our CASAs in the area. In fact, it was Amber Green. Amber's husband, Sean, is lead pastor of our Sherwood Oaks community. And she called and she goes, hey, we've got a member at the, in Lawrence County um, at part of our CASA, in our CASA community. He's a young man in middle school and um, very difficult family situation. He's in a great place right now, but um, his uncle, who he's living with, doesn't really have the resources to help him with this. Would Sherwood Bedford be willing to jump in and help this young man? He wants to play football in middle school, and there's some money attached to that. So uh, would you guys be willing to help out with that? I said, well, of course we would be willing to help out with that. So our dollar club, it's that black box outside our doors there. Our dollar club this week is going towards getting this kid some football supplies. So if you would like to contribute to that, that's the way to do it. Dollar or two, and uh, together we can make sure he gets what he needs. Ah, today we're talking about worry. Any worriers here? Any people who just sort of feel like they need to worry? At our, at our men's group yesterday morning, we were talking about it. We've been out of the room. Of course, none of the guys, you know, they don't, none of them cop to being warriors. Their wives, however, are big warriors. And I didn't say this, but I wanted to say, well, maybe your wives wouldn't worry as much if they felt like they weren't the only ones carrying the worrying burden. <laughs> uh, they, didn't, they didn't jump on that. I like to think that I'm not a worrier. I don't define myself by worry, but I do find that my brain is consumed with some thoughts, and sometimes they're thoughts that <sighs> worry me. I'll just be honest. I worry about the school systems. We have multiples in our community now. I worry about church systems, how churches work and how we address the needs of the times and the season we're in. <laughs> I worry about politics, midterm stuff. Those are things that I think about. Property values, yeah, I know it's silly, but I think about property values, what will raise them and what will bring them down. I'm 56 years old. I'm starting to think about retirement, and I'm not at the point where I'm worried about it, but there are some who would say, you probably should be, Thompson. You've not done that much to set yourself up for success there. I worry about walking up these stage steps. Anyone else worry about steps when they're walking up steps in front of people? These steps right here are a constant source of worry. When Roger put those rails in, it was like the happiest day of 2021. That was good. Like, like that's one less thing I have to worry about. I worry about the parking lot cracks and the asphalt out here in the parking lot. It's stupid stuff, I realize. But... But I worry about them. Now, none of those worries cause me to lose sleep. Almost none of them, honestly, are worries that I have any control over. But still, I worry. How about you? Anyone else here besides me? Let's just, uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm not the only one, the only worry in the room. University of Wisconsin, some of you guys don't believe studies. I am skeptical of studies. Uh, but the University of Wisconsin did in a study on worry that 40% of what we worry never happens. Reminds me of a quote from Mark Twain. Mark Twain said this, I'm an old man and have known many troubles, but most of them never happened. Anyone identify with that? Most of the things we worry about 
never actually happened. The, the study said this, that 30% of things that we worry about are past things that we can't change anyway. These are the things that wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning where I go, I can't believe I said that to my third grade teacher. And I still stress about it. Can't do anything about it. 10% are petty worries. Like, does this shirt make me look fat? Yes, it does. But it's not the shirt's fault. <laughs> 12% are needless health worries. Is this, is this sharp pain in my side a tumor? Or does it just mean I need to get up and walk around the block and get a little exercise? Yes, that's what that pain means. About only 8% of the things that we worry about are like legitimate worries. And even then, Jesus has something to tell us. He says, don't worry. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, it is unlikely that we will completely eradicate worry from our lives on the basis of this sermon that I'm going to preach today. But Jesus had some important things to say about worry. So if your worry is something you worry about, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll learn together from God's word. We'll have the words up there as well, but if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up, follow along. If you've got a pen and paper, you can take some good notes, because I think we'll learn some stuff. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise we have that you are with us. And so the things that we worry about, we do not worry <laughs> as men without hope or as women without hope. We worry um, with an awareness that we have reason not to, because we have a God and a Father who loves us. So as we open your word, remind us of that again. In Jesus' name, amen. So the top four things people said they worried about, I'm going to do a little survey here, and if you've ever worried about these things, raise your hand. You may not be worrying about them right now, but if you ever have worried about them, raise your hand. Have you ever worried about money? Okay, okay, that's better. The 930 crowd were very hesitant to admit that they were they worried about things. How about the relationships? You ever worried about relationships? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Have you ever worried about work-related stuff? I mean, we've got one of our elders here from Sherwood Oaks. Jeff is back there. Uh, Jeff, honestly, for the first, I don't know, what I, I, this is my 16th year with Sherwood Oaks. For the first 15 and a half years, let's be honest, I worry about losing my job all the time. I say stuff, I do stuff, and I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. They're going to kick me out. I worry about work. How about health? Any of you guys worry about health stuff? Yeah, we, we, we worry. Life gives us plenty to worry about. So what does Jesus say about it? Well, this is where we get to in Matthew chapter 6. If you're there, say, I'm here. If not, we're going to read the words up on the screen. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It says, why do you worry about clothes? Yes, it makes you look fat. It's all right. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. I say amen to that. We've got beautiful flowers around here. 
If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You say, Tim, that's great for them. They lived in simple times. They were simple people. It was a simple world. They didn't worry about inflation and supply chain disruptions. They didn't worry about going to the grocery store and not having baby formula. No, they worried about their crops and their harvest failing. They didn't worry about the economy or politics or terrorism. Oh, yeah, they sure did. They lived in, in a foreign occupied territory. They had soldiers around them all the time. They were ruled by corrupt government and religious leaders. There was always the threat of religious extremism around them as well. But they didn't have climate issues. Well, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They're in the Middle East. If the right amount of snow or rainfall doesn't happen, it doesn't fill the streams and rivers, and the rivers don't fill the lake. And if you're a Galilean fisherman and there's no water in that lake, uh, that's a big issue. They worried about climate. How about natural catastrophes and pandemics? Mm, They had them. They had them. They had locusts and pestilences that would come in and wipe everything out. Health issues, you worry about your health? Well, they did too. Every story that Jesus tells usually involves someone who's lame or blind or has leprosy. Those diseases were real, and they consumed the worry and concern of people there. If you got injured, your whole family was laid waste. Did they worry about their kids like you do? I'm pretty sure they did. People at all times and places have had plenty to worry about, and yet Jesus says, don't worry. And you say, well, if I don't worry, who will? (laughs) Max Lucado tells the story of one man who was a worrier, and his wife says, you've got to do something. You're always worrying about stuff. So he decides to hire someone to do his worrying for him, and he calls his neighbor and says, you're out of work. I got a job for you. I'm going to hire you to be my worrier. The guy says, okay, how hard can that be? He goes, you've got to worry about everything that I would worry about. Okay, sure. How much you pay? He goes, I think it's worth about $200,000 a year. And the neighbor's like, well, sure, sure I'll worry for you. He goes, but where in the world are you going to get $200,000 a year? The guy says, it's not my worry. (laughs) Oh, As much as it would be nice to outsource worry, I think I'd just worry that they wouldn't be as worried as I would worry. You know the feeling? But the truth is that Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 that worry is inconsistent with faith. He says, is life more, not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? In other words, if God has provided life, will he not provide the means to sustain it and take care of it? If God has called us his own, will he not take care of it 
I love this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us everything we need? Faith means that we trust God in and for all things. Worry, Jesus says, is inconsistent with faith in him. And worry is unnecessary. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? My dad is at the stage of his life where chopping wood at 6 o'clock on a wintry, snowy January morning is less appealing than it used to be. And now he finds what he likes to do on those cold winter mornings is sit by the fire, look out the window at the bird feeders he has in this tree in his backyard. And oh my word, he's got the seed, he's got the different bird feeders. He loves to count the birds, he can tell you. It makes him sound like he's 98 years old. He's not. But he enjoys this. But as much as my dad loves those birds, I know that if I call my dad at 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning when he's watching the birds say, hey, I need you to leave your comfortable spot watching birds and come help dig me out of this snowdrift, he would say, absolutely, let me get there as quick as I can, just as my father will leave the birds as much as he loves the birds to take care of me. How much more, Jesus says, will your heavenly father take care of you? Of course, the same God who feeds the birds will drop everything to take care of you. And when our heavenly father is in control, worry is unnecessary. Worry is unproductive. It's unspiritual. It's unnecessary. It's unproductive. I love this. I don't know where I first heard this quote, but it goes like this. Worry is like a rocking chair. You got that picture in your head? Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but won't get you anywhere. That's what worry is. Anyone can say amen to that? Gives you something to do, but it's very unproductive. Jesus says in verse 27, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No, in fact, the opposite is true. Worry can actually subtract hours from your life. It suppresses the immune system. It causes digestive disorders. You guys ever feel a knot in your stomach over something you're worried about? It's like literally it is affecting your digestive system when you worry. Short-term memory loss, premature coronary disease, all a result of worry. Feeling fatigued and tired, maybe you're worried about something. Worry is the complete opposite of productive. It's unproductive. Whew. It's unspiritual. Verse 31, 32, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things. That's stuff unbelievers think about. You are children of your heavenly father and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He says, listen, to be like everyone else, worry. But if you want to belong to me, then leave the worrying to the unbelievers. People of faith, don't worry. They, they trust in me. Worry is inconsistent, unnecessary, unproductive, unspiritual. Jesus says, do not worry. And so when you ask Christians, like we did yesterday morning at the men's study, uh, what are you worried about? Mm, I'm not worried because Jesus told us not to, so we're afraid to even confess or admit that maybe we do at times. But when Jesus says, do not worry, it is less a command and more an invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and worried, and I will give you, anyone know how that 
verse ends, I will give you rest. Rest to me is the opposite of worry. I just got back from a vacation. I was talking to Victoria about it. I said, it was the most restful vacation. Well, says, that's really, she says, that's incredible. Most vacations, you come back more tired. I go, I know, I normally do. But this one, I came back very rested. Restful vacations are the ones where you do not worry about what's happening in your absence because you have people you trust managing those things that you would normally worry about. Because I had people I trusted taking care of things, I didn't worry. The same is true for life. A restful life is one where we do not worry because we have entrusted it to someone who is trustworthy. We've entrusted it to God. I love the old song, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And what does that look like? How do we get to the place where we rest and trust? Because it's fine to say, well, faith ends where worry begins. And that's a great quote. Tina showed me that one out there. I thought, I could just say that and be done with the morning. But there's another little element there, because most of us say, yes, yes, we want to have faith. But how do we do that? So I'm going to unpack, in no particular order, the things that I remind myself with when I worry. One is, Tim, stay focused. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And seeking first means making sure that my focus remains in the right place and on the right things and in the right person. In his last speech to the elders at the church of Ephesus, Paul says this, says, I'm compelled by the Spirit, and going, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, <laughs> however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul's focus was clear. His future was uncertain, but his focus was clear. It was first about God and his righteousness, his kingdom, his kingdom of grace. And if you are a believer, where do your worries, the things that cause you anxiety, where do they land in the perspective of God's kingdom? Does it line up with his priorities or does it fit awkwardly with God's priorities? When that happens, it reminds me, okay, hold on. I need to stay focused on the most important thing, not on these secondary and tertiary things that might worry me. So I stay focused. And this seems an obvious one, but oftentimes we don't do this. It seems obvious as believers that we would first go to God with our worries, but very often we don't. We go to everybody else. We start talking about it on Facebook. We start complaining about it to our friends. Instead, we go first to our Father. Bring your worries to the one who loves and cares for you. Psalm 52, 22, 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. We used to sing a song about that. Cast your cares on the Lord. 
Jesus said the same thing in John 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, you trust in God, trust also in me. If you are a believer, we bring our worries to the throne of heaven. That's what our core verse is about. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just prayed that with someone two weeks ago. Man, he needed that peace that we talk about. But when we don't take those concerns to God, man, we don't experience that peace that he promises. Dallas Willard, Christian author and thinker and deeply spiritual man, says this, the first and most basic thing we can and we must do is to keep God before our minds, to direct and redirect our minds and our thoughts constantly to him. And in the early days of this, when we're just practicing, it might be challenging. We might find it burdensome to always be redirecting those worried thoughts to God. But, but remind yourself of this, that the habit of worry is merely a habit. It is not like the law of gravity. You can break the habit of worry. And a new grace-filled habit can, can take its place where God is sort of the center point of our thoughts and our beliefs. And if that's true, then, then everything fades away. The, the old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Things of earth grow strangely dim compared to everybody else's perspective in the light of God's glory and his grace. We turn our attention and we confide in our Father. And then we feed our faith down at Harp Commons. You know, I live downtown and outside my little building is a, is a, is a park area. And someone kindly decided to address the weeds that are overgrowing some of the beds and they sprayed some weed poison on them. However, they were careless, and in the spraying of the weeds, which they are dead, they also sprayed some on some of the shrubberies, and now some of the shrubberies are looking very questionable right now, too. That's the challenge. You know, when you try to address the weeds, very often you kill good stuff as well. Perhaps a better way to do that is to really nourish the stuff that you want to grow and let them crowd out the weeds. I think this is how it is with our thoughts. Oftentimes, we want to attack our thoughts. We don't want to think that way. But God gives us sort of another pattern. He says, rather than attack your thoughts, feed, feed your soul. Feed your faith. Turn your eyes upon Jesus to God and his goodness. Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, these are, this is fertilizer for the good stuff that God wants to do in our lives. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Those are the things, think about. And when you find your mind drifting off to things that you cannot control or change, redirect your thoughts to the good thing that God is doing around you. When we fill our eyes and ears, it affects what we think and how we think. Paul says we need to be thinking about those things that are true and noble and pure and lovely. So feed your faith with those things. This happened three days ago. 
I was surrendering everything to Jesus. My life was going good. It was a great day. And I walked in someplace, and they had news going. You know what I'm going to say? The news was on. It's one of those news channels. There's a lot of them these days, so you pick which one you want to you blame. Lots of, lots of not just chit-chat. It's like aggressive, rah, 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 rah. Like, oh, my word, in 13 seconds, from walking in feeling full of peace and joy and delight in God and what he's doing around me, I'm like, oh, I should be terrified of the world right now. Everything's going to hell in the proverbial handbasket. Like, I got to get out of here. This thing is not fertilizing my faith. Man, if you are a Christian this morning, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the promise that we have. And the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives is characterized by love and joy and peace and kindness. And when you don't experience those things, man, that's, that's not a great place for Christians to be. Instead, we, we want to commit to listening and obeying the Spirit, Spirit and, and to feed our faith so that we can find the joy and the peace in our lives that will take the place of worry, that will crowd out the worrisome thoughts. We take everything to the Father. We feed our faith. We stay focused. And then I don't know about you, but this is one that I, I challenge myself on all the time. Just living in the present. Just living in this moment here. You know, when God describes himself to Moses there on the mountain, he says, I am. I am, not, not first I was, or not even first that I will be, but I am here. Yes, he was, and he is into eternity, Alpha and Omega, but his, the way he told Moses to think about him was as the great I am. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present, present, present help in trouble. Resist the urge to borrow worry from tomorrow <laughs> or take it on loan from the past. Man. What did he say in Matthew 6, 34? He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sounds like something my grandmother would have told me, but it's true. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Trust and obey, the old song says. What does it mean to do that? Well, first of all, obey. So living in the present means that we have some opportunities in the present to address our worries, to make sure they don't become worries for tomorrow. When we live in the present, we can obey the Spirit in the moment, where we have the difficult conversation, where we address the difficult issue, where we make the difficult decision. If it's in your power, in the present, God is with you to help you do that. And making that decision and taking that step in the moment means that that doesn't become a worry that plagues you in the future. If it's in your power, do what needs to be done. If it's in your power, obey the Spirit right here in the moment. And if it's not in your power, then that second word, remember, trust and obey, the second word comes into play, trust. Surrender your life to Jesus. As believers, that's not just something we did at one point in time, is it? It's something that we do on a continual basis. 
we surrender our lives to Jesus every day. If you're here, and I've mostly been talking to believers in Jesus, if you're here and you've not entrusted your life to Jesus, I want to I pray with you and make that happen. I don't, honestly, if you're not a believer, yes, you should be worrying all the time. There's, there's a lot to worry about. But if you're a believer, our perspective on life changes dramatically. If you're not a believer, I want to I wanna pray with you and help you make that decision to allow the lordship of Jesus to, to take over control of your life and your worries. And if you are a believer and Christ is not Lord over your life and your worries, then this is a moment to say, I'm sorry, Jesus, for not trusting you with these things. Because here's the truth, grace meets us and strengthens us to meet today's troubles. And when tomorrow's troubles come, tomorrow's grace will be there to meet it as well. And for believers, this is an amazing promise. Just like that manna in the wilderness, just like Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread. God's grace is present with us every day for each moment, each crisis that we face. Psalm 139, 16 has this amazing theological statement. All the days, the psalmist wrote, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Just a reminder that God is in control of our lives. Jerry Bridges, an author, says that we can turn that verse into a prayer when we encounter difficult days. This is the prayer that he encourages, encourages us to pray. Lord, this circumstance that I'm in that worries me is part of your plan for my life today. Help me to respond in faith and in a God-honoring way to your providential will. And then please give me the wisdom to know how to address this situation. Can we pray that prayer right now? Let's pray it together. Lord, this circumstance is part of your plan for my life today. Help me to respond in faith and in a God-honoring way to your providential will. And then please give me the wisdom to know how to address the situation. Charles Spurgeon said this, It is folly to think that the Lord provides grace for every trouble except for the one that I find myself in right now. That's true. We're going to do something that we did in the first service. I'm going to, I'm going to do something a little different, which some of you may get real worried about when I say that. But I don't want you to be. This is really low-key. This is really easy. But I'm going to have us share our concerns with each other. We won't even call them worries. We're just going to be, we're just going to call them some things that, that, that are concerning. So at our first service, we have Judy Philpot, who is going through some cancer treatments, and she's decided not to do chemotherapy. She's going to quit that. That's a big decision that she is trusting God with. We've got a little surgery that's going to happen tomorrow for one of our young kids. Um, we've got Roger Gales is going in for surgery on Thursday. We've got a gal uh, at the first hour who, who has been having weird headaches and neck pain, and they're going to do an MRI on her just to see what that's all about. Those are some things you can, you can share. If you don't have one of your own worries, you can share those with others. But I'm going to encourage us to, we're just going to do a little mix and mingle right now. Oh, like, why did I come to church today? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to form groups of five or six. Try to mix it up a little bit so you're not in a room, in a group with people that you came with. And we're just going to do something real, real easy, no pressure at all. We're just going to gather together and we're going to do real quick one sentence, something that you can pray about. You do not have to give the whole story. You don't have to give the background. You can just say work, family, health, or whatever your other concern is. 
Are you nervous? Are you worried? Don't be. It went fine at first hour. It's good. Jump up. Mingle around a little bit. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to find a group and form a new one. And then you're going to real quickly just share something that, that is in your head, something that you are thinking about that you want someone else to, to lift up in prayer. Um, it's going to be good. It's easy. If you're new here for the first time, you're, you guys aren't the only ones, by the way. If you're new for the first time, don't worry about it. If you see someone you don't recognize, grab them in your group. Uh, right over here. Grab these people into your group. Come and get them. Yes, you, Dana, join, join up there. Yeah, if you're looking for a group, someone, raise your hand if you've got room in your group for more people. Back at the back, you guys got more room in your group? Malaya, you guys got room? Okay, raise your hand and group, bring them over there. Real quick, round robin, let them know how you're doing, what you're worried about, we're going to pray. When you're finished, if one person would, would sort of do a blanket prayer for the group, that would be great, and you can return to your seats. Worry has this idea of being, uh, being strangled or choked in its, in its sort of its root form. And that's how worry often is, isn't it? It sort of strangles us and chokes us, and we can't really even get a separate focus. We can't even redirect our focus because this thing that just seems to be right there at our throat. Sharing our concerns with others is a way to bring someone aside and say, hey, if you could just loosen that around my throat long enough for me to remind myself that God is taking care of things. That'd be great. So thank you guys for being obedient to pray with others and hear others' prayers this week. As you're thinking about life, your own worries, remember those concerns that others um, have shared with you and, and make it a matter of prayer. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of what? Of whom shall I be afraid? Communion reminds us that God invites us into a trusting relationship with himself. 
the God who did not spare his own son, remember that scripture? Will he not give us everything we need? Today, as we take the bread and the cup, we remember Jesus who entrusted his life to the life, to the will of his father. Um, he was crucified, he died, he was buried. And you might say, well, what good did that do him? Well, if you know the story, you know that he was raised to life. God does this when we entrust our lives to him. He never abandons us. To me, that resurrection reminds me that that I've been brought into this same relationship with God as Jesus had. God's going to take care of me as well. As you take the bread and the cup this morning, make this a moment of releasing and resting in God's care for you. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we speak your name this morning over the things that worry us. We thank you for your love for us. May the bread and the cup remind us of your life sacrificed so that our lives might be saved. And as you provide grace in our lives for our salvation, you provide grace in our lives for life. We trust you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.